The Artificial Intelligence Podcast. AI in real life. Don't get me wrong. I love my job. But like everyone, I have dreams, you know? I hardly dare to say this out loud, but my dream is and always has been to be a fashion model. Yes, yes, I know what you're thinking right now, but don't we all have that one embarrassing thing? Anyways, when I was in college, I had this best friend who quit college to go to fashion design school. And you can imagine what I thought. This right here is my shot. So we went to watch a Victoria's Secret fashion show together and we sipped some GTs. And, you know, I confessed my deepest, most embarrassing ambition to my BFF. He looked at me with pity in his eyes and he sighed. You're too old, too fat and too small. We never talked about it again. Ah, job searching. We all hate it, but isn't it just an unavoidable fact of life? Luckily, that's yet another field where AI might make our lives easier. But like we see almost everywhere, doing it right is not trivial and, in this important aspect of our lives, extremely crucial. My name is Lia Wang, and in this episode, I'm joined by Jean-Paul van Ooster, senior data scientist at Target Holding. Target is an exemplary case of the state of data science today. It's an ambitious collaboration between academia and business, which originated at the University of Groningen. There, astrophysicists, AI researchers, and geneticists were working with huge data sets and one day thought, we can do so much more with this. And thus, they did. Target now helps businesses solve a variety of complex problems using machine learning. Because like I was told at the World Summit AI, sponsored by Microsoft, artificial intelligence is the glue of tomorrow that will connect and facilitate so many sciences and businesses alike. Jean-Paul is here to tell me about one of his latest projects, a sort of super search engine for job postings. It's more of a matching engine than, than actually a search engine. Mm-hmm. Because search engine is usually where you type in keywords and we try to minimize people coming up with their own keywords to find either job applications or resumes. So that's, we, we usually call it matching instead of searching. Right. Um, and this matching program, what does it change? For instance, if, if I were to be looking for a job as a data scientist. How would that process change with your product versus how it is now? Uh, we work a lot with temp agencies um, uh, and they have a lot, a lot of people they want to place somewhere and a lot of vacancies they want to fill in. Mm-hmm. So they usually have a big collection. And what they do now is, is they try to categorize everything. So they say, if, you, if you're looking for a data science job, then they say, okay, maybe they don't have actually a, a class for data scientists. Mm-hmm. So then maybe they put it in the bucket of a researcher or maybe they put it in the bucket of a programmer or whatever your closest Right. Uh, Even though a researcher is. and a programmer is a very different thing. Uh, yeah, could be. Yeah, so I did a lot of programming during my research, but yeah, uh, typically researchers do not program that much. Yeah. So when you're when you're looking for a data science job, that's pretty difficult if you if you don't have already a bucket for it. I mean, maybe now the bucket data science is emerging because a lot of people are searching for data science jobs. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. So what we are trying to do then is instead of having those rigid buckets where people can 
search based on the keywords for those buckets. Mm -hmm. We say, okay, we have a big pile of vacancies and, and one resume. And we try to match which of those vacancies is closest to this resume. And so that person then gets to pick from a smaller set of vacancies to find whichever job is most suited for him or her. So you kind of do a pre-selection for me. Uh, exactly. But still, of course, there is someone, somebody at the temp agency using the software. Yeah. And so they can say, okay, maybe the first one is not, not directly the closest match. I wouldn't send that vacancy directly to the candidate, but maybe the second one is, is best. Our software can learn from to whichever job interview somebody is sent. So the software can learn from, from its mistakes. And how does your software um, work? How does, does this matching process work? Yeah, so what the software is trying to do is, is find a representation for the words that is based on context instead of the actual word itself. Mm -hmm. So machine learning and matching is all about numbers, right? So so it's, it's statistics and it's, it's calculations. And you need to calculate something based on the words, right? Because that's what vacancies and resumes are made up of. So what we do is we try to come up with a, a representation for the words with which we can calculate something about statistics or about some other uh, characteristics based on those words. And we build that representation based on the context of the words that it appears in. To give an example, so if you're looking for a teaching job or a data science job, then your that job description in vacancies and in, in the resumes usually have a couple of things describing that position, right? So maybe you're programming and maybe you do statistics and mathematics and maybe even machine learning. So that, that's, that's context that is all part of the job title, data science. Mm -hmm. And so, so we use that context to build a representation. And uh, these are much closer to what somebody is actually referring to. So if you're looking for machine learning engineer type of job, then that will have uh, maybe somebody who's first starting out to look for these kinds of jobs, maybe uh, they have in their resume uh, data scientist because they don't know yet that they are actually looking for job placement as a machine learning engineer. Mm -hmm. So we learn based on the context that this person is actually really interested in machine learning instead of the bucket data science. So right. that's, that's how that works. Right. So the way you talk about it, it kind of sounds like a very detailed keyword analysis so you interpreted a, a much larger set of keywords than the typical human would to determine what the right match is. That's, that's possible, yeah. So um, we look at the, the, the resume and the, the vacancy as a whole and try to, to find the, the, the match with the biggest overlap. So that is maybe a lot more information at once that, that this algorithm can use than a typical human would who is just searching based on a keyword as, say, data science, and then they are looking for resumes that are maybe closely related, and then they, they find them, but maybe they don't enumerate everything in the, in the right. vacancy or the resume. And um, you talked earlier about how, you know, machine learning is statistics, it's math, and how you translate language to math, if you will. So could you give an example of how that works? So what we do is, as I said, we build a representation of these words. And with these words, we can then actually uh, do some calculations with the words. So, so the, the canonical example is 
you have representations for the word king and the representation for the word queen and maybe also representation for the word man and woman. Uh, and what you then can do is you, you take the, the representation for king, the word king, mm-hmm. and you subtract the, the word uh, man from that. And then if you add uh, the, the concept female to that whatever is, is left, then you hopefully get some sort of representation that is, that is actually the representation for queen. So you can actually do king, uh, subtract the concept male, and then add the concept female, and then you get the word queen out of that. And does that work for um, job words as well? So say, is data scientist minus Java plus Python, is that machine learning, for instance? Yeah, um, it will probably get a representation that is not exactly machine learning, but it's probably somewhere closer to machine learning than, say, data science plus SPSS, right? right? Yeah. So, so that would would be a, a, a different uh, representation with, with, where you get in a different region of the the entire spectrum of all the the words that you or, or concepts that you can represent. So it's not just the overlap between these sets of keywords; it's also the relation these words have to each other and that the the, the context they're placed in. Exactly. We're looking for a match between those representations instead of the match between the words, because the the words, they they typically tend to be a little bit different. So, for example, in, in, in Dutch, you have leraar and lerares, which is the, the male and the female teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So they both mean the same job, but the one is as, as a male and, and, and as a female, but they they have the same representation or, or very close representation in our representation space. Yeah, two so, words with the same meaning. Exactly. And so, so what you then see is that, uh, well, it's not exactly the same meaning because one has the, the, the concept male added to it and the other has the concept female added to it, but they're still very closely related in the, in, the, in the representation space because they have usually the same context in, in a resume or in a vacancy sense. Yeah. So teacher is, is in both cases is used as uh, I, I teach a lot and I gave these subjects yeah. and I work with students and stuff like that. So it's all part of the context of those concepts. I can imagine this works for hard skills, like um, a machine learning engineer should be able to program these kind of languages and should have experience building these kind of products. But there are also soft skills that are more and more important for a lot of jobs like leadership or teamwork. And there are so many more words to describe these skills. How, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so soft skills is a very difficult thing to tackle in this in this area. And I think a lot of people have issues with that because, yeah, as you say, leadership is something that's very difficult to describe in in a small set of words like okay I'm a, I'm a natural leader maybe that's something that you put uh, we're looking for a leader would you put that in in a in a vacancy then you also expect something that's closely related to leader in the the resume because that is something that you're trying to match so I was thinking about that the other day uh, together with a colleague how to tackle that but but maybe it's also something that is very interesting because how you describe certain soft skills is also saying something about the culture of your company right so if you're looking for a certain 
soft skill and you describe it as in a, in a certain way, then, then people who will also use similar context or similar concepts to describe themselves will pop up higher in the, in the ranking than people who maybe do not fit, fit that culture really well. So it's, it really depends on the, on the application and, and, the, and the customer, whether that's something that you want actually or not. So it kind of forces you as a company also to really define what your values are and how they exactly. should, yeah, it forces you to make these things explicit. Yeah, exactly. So that that was uh, what we were discussing, and uh, but it really depends on on your goal with the, with the, with the algorithm whether that's okay or not. So if you're just really looking for leadership, or say that that these soft skills, if they are very important for a certain area where you're where you're trying to recruit, then that might be very important to to nail down or make your algorithm robust against disturbances or, or differences in how these words are represented. So when you talked about making the algorithm robust and um, scalable also, does that mean you need more training data? So you need more temp agency workers who um, help indicate whether this was a good match or a bad match? Or does it mean you actually have to understand the words better? So you have to improve your dictionary and your thesaurus? Yeah, so, so the training data is usually used uh, mostly for learning the, the correct representations of the, of the words that are used or the concepts that are being used, whereas the matching usually happens without a lot of training data. But if you have, for example, if, if you want to retrain the algorithm using the knowledge that, that some job application was right for a certain candidate or not, then you can use that to, for example, get personalized offers and, and then the matching will turn up. So, so for example, if you, if you have trouble finding a job as a data scientist because you've been looking mostly for jobs where they're looking for, for SPSS kind of work or R stuff, then that would, would mean that maybe you're not looking for that and then uh, you said, okay, I want less of these kind of jobs. So then they can weigh these kinds of jobs down so, so they can re-rank those. Uh, and then the algorithm will learn from that to say, okay, these kinds of applications have this in common. So that, may, that these are maybe concepts that they are not interested in. And so then for the next match, it will learn that certain words are less interesting for you. And then they will rank those kind of jobs lower. And then hopefully the machine learning jobs will rise quicker to the top. So the dictionary is generalized, but you can scrap or add words if you want to. So if my meaning of machine learning is Python and functional programming instead of statistical analysis, then I can adjust my own dictionary to get personalized vacancies. Yeah, yeah. So, so it would not be completely correct in saying that the dictionary will be changed or whatever, but you will change the, 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 the ranking algorithm in such a way that for, for you, these kinds of uh, words will have less uh, or, or more weight than, than others. And then another thing I was wondering about is you've learned so much about words in relation to each other, like the example you gave about the king and the queen. And I can imagine some of these relationships between words are general, but some of these might be 
very specific to job descriptions also. Like they might mean the same thing in the context of a vacancy, but they might mean something very different in the context of, say, news or um, uh, an analyst report or something. Yeah, exactly. So so that's why, I mean, we could train our dictionary or our representation space based on, for example, Wikipedia or news articles or what have you. But that would be that that would not have the same result as training your your dictionary and representations on a very large collection of vacancies. Yeah. So what what we do where you you can start with a pre-trained representation space and then uh, try to uh, change that based on the on the vacancies. But usually we try to get uh, a data set from from our customers because th- we know that. Our customers work with this kind of data, and and it's better to train the representation based on their data than uh, based on a generalized idea of what uh, words mean. Yeah, and then when you work with data from temp agencies or, or people who hire other people, then we know that this data is usually biased in some way or another. Um, and, and we've seen accidents, if you will, happen with that in the past. How, how do you deal with that? So, so bias is, is very important in, in, in the ranking area, right? So that will be a very important aspect if you, if you only looked at a couple of concepts in, in the resumes or vacancies. But because we look at the resumes and vacancies as a, as a whole and, and we try to match them as a whole, then uh, usually the bias will be less, uh, will be will be averaged over uh, a lot of different concepts that are are present in those vacancies and and resumes. So, so so bias is is still a problem. But what temp agencies in 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 our experience at the moment currently really look for is job applications with an emphasis on the hard skills. Where, where people actually do stuff maybe with their hands or at a lower level, not, not in a sense that they are really selected on, based on their uh, soft skills maybe. So, so for example, if you look for a cook or a bartender, yeah. then you, you're less, maybe less uh, inclined to look for a leader type person, but you're looking for or do they have experience in, in bars and do they know how to make a cocktail and stuff like that. Yeah. And those are very easy to match. Whereas indeed soft skills, as I said, are sometimes still a challenge and maybe, maybe those have much more bias added to them than say the, the hard skills of bartending. Yeah. Of course it has to do with your data. So if you, if you have biased data, you, you need to be aware of the, the data that you use. If that's really biased, then that's a problem. Also, I think that that problem is that Amazon is just a single company and then, and they are looking for a specific set of people that where everything that is coming in, like like the resumes, they or, or the, the people that they, they have there, they they are biased already because that is the, the data that they work with because yeah, those are present in their company at the moment. Um, whereas if you work for like a, a temp agency, then bias is probably a lot uh, less present in the data because you have people from from all layers of society, from all ethnicities, from all uh, genders, and everything. You you see everything. Um, so that I think that that your data is of course the starting point where you where you should look in order to avoid bias. And I, I think that is an important thing that you could 
you, you should start with. And then your algorithm, you need to think about how your algorithm is working and whether you're, you're building an algorithm that is actually trying to avoid bias by learning representation that does not emphasize things like gender or race or whatever. Yeah. And you, you, need to, you need to check for that. Yeah, you have to tell the algorithm explicitly not to factor in those, those things. Yeah, so, so what we do is we remove all the, the, the personal information such as name and gender and yeah, place of birth even and so, stuff like that. Science also tells us that, for instance, women use a different word set typically than men, right? So how, so how do you... Yeah. I, I see some like very straightforward ways you can remove it, but some are yeah. much more subtle. Exactly, and, and, and those subtle things are, are much harder to deal with. But if you have a broad enough data set where both uh, ways of describing things are, are represented, then you can probably uh, learn a representation where those concepts are close together. So, for example, what, what I, I said earlier about two ways of describing a teacher in Dutch, like leraar and lerares, where you have the, the, the gender embedded in, in, in the word, then, uh, yeah, though you have to learn a representation where those concepts are close together, and you, you should check for that. But it's, 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 in the more subtle cases, it's very hard to, to, to actually fully remove. And I, I do think that that is hard, but that's why I also think it's very important to keep the humans in the loop and to have checks and balances for those kinds of things. Yeah. And um, what does that say about the role of humans in this business do you think like maybe five years out once you've perfected everything what will that look like yeah so i'm i'm very much in favor of keeping the humans in the loop especially <laughs> for these these kinds of of things so so we really believe in in feedback loops and and having the computer learn from interaction with the humans because in the end it's it's all about providing a human context right so so these are humans who are applying for a job and 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 companies where humans work and it's it's a it's a human thing so i think i really think and i really believe that humans should be part of that loop and should be part of the algorithm to make it better but also to to keep it in check and and to to make sure everything is working as we intend it to so if that's the case then then what kind of problem does it solve what kind of advantage does it still give so the big advantage that we have now is is that uh, instead of searching based on keywords so if you would have a resume for yourself as, as, as a data scientist, then what do you put on your resume? Do you put machine learning engineer on there? Do you put data scientist on there? Or do you put statistical analysis on there? Or what, what would you put on your resume? And, and, and we get rid of the, the hard distinctions that are currently present in those agencies, such as tap agencies, where they really have to search for applications or applicants to yeah, with, with keywords and, 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 and hard categories. We, we break that open and we say, okay, it's, it, it's much more about the, the skills and, the, and the, um, the experience that they have and the, the tasks that they're good at and stuff like that. So it's, it's a much more holistical view of, of the, the, the person and the, the vacancies that we, that we bring to the table. Our job is a huge part of our lives. So selecting the right job for the right person is still a process that involves human choice. Jean-Paul van Oosten, senior data scientist at Target Holding. The OG AI. The mother of science fiction is Frankenstein, or should I say its creator, writer Mary Shelley. 
The monster novel, which celebrated its 200th anniversary last year, has been acknowledged as influential horror. But it has also been reclaimed as the starting point of science fiction as a genre. Because, well... Build a human out of spare parts is all good and fun, but the original story is told from Dr. Frankenstein's artificial creation. A monster who will never be allowed to fully participate in human society, telling of its devastation at learning and acquiring of language and the never-ending rejection. With this tale, Mary Shelley foreshadows many modern murderous computer robot stories by providing a personal insight into the monster who lurches between being a compelling and sympathetic character and a creepy nice guy stalker who calmly justifies his most awful deeds and feels he is owed love merely for existing. It's eerily relevant still today. There's one story maybe even more interesting than the one Mary Shelley created on a dare between her soon-to-be husband Percy Shelley, Lord Byron and herself as to who could create the scariest tale. And that is her story. In the 2018 movie Mary Shelley, we follow the young writer and her love to the British Isles where the dare started and Frankenstein was born. But she's so much more. She carried her dead husband's heart with her, or at least so the story goes. It was found in a desk drawer wrapped in one of the last poems Percy wrote. And did she lose her virginity on her mother's grave? The movies are never like the books, and it's the same for Mary's famous monster story and her own life story. But it's still worth looking into. So... Who knows, I might not have the exact experience required for a fashion model, but I might just still have the right skill set. AI will tell. Follow me for more at bnr.nl slash AI podcast or on your favorite podcast app.